It's hard to believe that we're going to be able to get 10 weeks out of this series, but uh, we have a few more Sundays that we are going to continue with uh, this holy series. And and though I don't take it word for word, I'm basing it uh, a lot of the ideas off of the book A Pursuit of Holiness by Jerry Bridges. And so if there is something that has sparked your interest or something that uh, you'd like to go study deeper with, uh, get that book, and I will be glad to go through it with you because it is it is filled with treasures that uh, I don't know about you, but but I am gaining a lot from this. It, the worst thing to do is have to to eat my own preaching, but I have to do it every day, and I pray that you're getting something out of it as well. But uh, we're going to talk about something today called the sweat equity of holiness. The sweat equity of holiness. Uh, sweat equity is a term used to communicate the fact that hard work and ownership are essential to meeting our goals and objectives. That's like if uh, you're working with a team or maybe it's your job. Or I know a lot of time some of our men that work around the church, they put a lot of sweat equity into making our church uh, pretty. I remember a couple weeks ago I had no idea that we had a dead tree out in front. But I, I tooled around. Uh, I was going somewhere uh, during the day, and, and I went over there, and there was there was Al, and there was Gary, and there was Larry, and they were they were cutting down the tree. I said, "What are y'all cutting down the tree for?" They said it was dead. I had no idea. But uh, they were sweating, and they, I mean, it looks beautiful, and it's things like that, that that when you you put work into something. And so what I see now is that we get into this part of holiness. We've talked about what holiness is. We've talked about the fact that God demands us to be holy. We've talked about the fact that we don't have to be holy in our own strength because for those of us that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have an asset, a coach, a power called the Holy Spirit who helps us in that. But also, we are dead to a sin and we are alive in Christ, but it's also an act of the will. And we see here that being a dreamer is fine. Do you know those people that are dreamers? We all need dreamers, do we not? I mean, without dreamers, we would have never had the post-it. You know what a post-it is, right? Somebody for the 3M company, they were trying to write down ideas, and they thought, man, it sure would be good to put this up on the wall. So they took some tape, and they put a big piece of paper on the wall, and they said, there you go, now we can write. And then they thought, so luckily somebody said, wow, I've got an idea. Let's put the adhesive on the paper and call it a post-it. They have made billions from that. Why can't I think of stuff like that? You might be asking yourself the same question. But yes, we do need dreamers. But even dreamers sometimes need to get their heads out of the cloud. Even dreamers sometimes need to put action to what they dream. If you've ever thought to yourself, boy, I wish I could become this, or I wish I could do that. Well, wishing and dreaming and daydreaming are fine, but at some point we all have to take action steps. Do we not? We all need to put in what you used to call uh, elbow grease. You know what elbow grease is, right? So elbow grease and sweat equity are, are of the same family, but the Bible is clear on this fact, folks. It is clear that lip service is no good. We can have all the desire we want, We can say we are going to take on hell with a water pistol. But as someone used to say to me, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You ever heard that? Well, I intended to. 
I meant to. I should have. I shouldn't have. Intentions are not adequate for living the life God has designed for you to live. Again, the, the purpose of this series was for us to, to not only try to be better Christians, but folks, there is a life out there. There is a life right in front of you that was specifically tailored for you. Not my life, not your spouse's life, your friend's life, your children's lives, your grandchildren's lives, not a celebrity's life, but your life. There is a, there is a, a charted destination that God has laid out for you and I, that we are meant to live. And we are meant to live it in a holy state. That means that we can live the life that God has actually designed for us to live. Would you agree with this fact? God expects us to work at our faith. Now, again, when you say something like that, it could take all kind of of rabbits that I'm not going to chase. But I'll just tell you this, is that we are not works based in our faith. We don't have to do something for God to love us. We don't have to do something for Jesus to save us. He did that because he loves us. The Bible says that it is a gift of God that is given to you so that no one can boast. That if you are a Christian today, what did you do to deserve that? Nothing. What did I do to deserve being a Christian? Nothing. It was the simple grace of God in us responding to His call. But folks, He expects us to work at our faith and to share the gospel. Not just bury it in the ground. In holiness, it yields a great reward. However, we must, we must foot, oh, I must foot, we must put forth the effort to be holy. I have a question for you, and it's a very simple question. Do you desire to live a holy life? That's something only you can answer, but I, but I would just ask you to, to put that before your mind, maybe write it down, or, or really, uh, what we say, meditate on this, or uh, think about this for a while. Do you really desire to live a holy life? Do you have the want to? If your answer is yes, are you willing to put the sweat equity into making that desire a reality? There are so many people that that I've heard, and I've even used this before, where, where we're trying to live a holy life and you say, I'm just trying all I can. But you know in your heart of hearts, you're not. Or you'd say, oh, the devil is just getting all over me. I just can't be holy. What's wrong with that statement? Of us saying there's no way I can be holy? By saying that statement, you're saying that the Holy Spirit that is within me is not powerful enough to make me holy. I know there's a lot of words here and there's a lot of semantics, but it is my prayer for you and my prayer for myself that that God would identify areas in our lives where we are unwilling to live a holy life. It's just this simple, folks, is that I am preaching, I believe through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that there are things in your life that the Holy Spirit will bring into mind, maybe even right now as I'm talking. You've zoned out because you're thinking about that area in your life that you have not given over to God. Where you say, God, I will give you my life. I will give you my church attendance. I will give you my tithe. But there's just just one thing I want to hold on to. And that's the very thing God is asking you to let go of. Pray for areas in your life to be identified. Write them down 
and begin praying and acting towards them. That's like uh, yesterday, uh, we went and uh, some folks, some friends of ours had invited us out to go bowling. And I don't know about you, but when I bowl, it looks like an elephant trying to do a ballet. It is not pretty whatsoever. And sometimes I'll, I'll get the, the, the form down enough to where at least it'll, it'll make a, a nice smooth slide down the, the alley. But there are times where I just get mad and I'll just take it and I'll sling it and it'll go, shoop, boom, everybody will look around at me and just, you know, what's wrong with this guy? My, my form is all off because the thing is, is that I desire to be a better bowler. I talked with, uh, Harold this morning, I said, maybe we need to get you to come out and give us some, some private lessons because he is a Hall of Fame bowler. He won't tell you that, but uh, he, he's very good at what he does. And so maybe he'll give us some tips. But the thing is, I can want to be a better bowler with all my heart. I can want to not look like an elephant in a tutu when I'm bowling. That, that picture won't leave you, and I apologize for that. But the fact is that I can want to be a better bowler, but unless I take the steps to get people to show me what to do, unless I make changes that I need to make, I will never get any better. And folks, if you desire to live a holy life, if you desire to live the life that God has led you to live, then you have to be open to let him show you areas where you need to work on your form. He needs you to give him access to your heart so that you will show him those areas where you say, God, I'm not quite there yet. Help me with it. And that is for somebody, whether you be 16, 6, 60, or 106. If you are breathing, God is working on you. If you are breathing, you have sin in your life. And if you are breathing, you need a Savior. If you are breathing, you need to make Jesus not only the Savior of your life, but the Lord of your life. So every Sunday, folks, churches are filled with worshipers, just like ours. Some are seeking to hear a word from God. Some are here to worship God and to give Him their time, their talents, and their tithes. And we appreciate all of those. More importantly, God appreciates all of those. I was, uh, this is a, a rabbit, but I was, uh, maybe it'll kill something, talking about holiness. I've got a friend I had, a new friend I had lunch with the other day that he pastors a church Somewhere, not in the immediate area, but, but out of our county in another area. And he was telling me that uh, there were some people that didn't agree with what was going on in his church, with, with what was going on. And that he said, people have come up to me and said, Preacher, we're withholding our tithe. And I thought, wow. And I know that there's people like that. There might be some of you in here like that too. And, and I would just lovingly tell you this, it doesn't affect me one bit. And it doesn't affect our church one bit. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your worship, your time, and your talents. But He desires it. And if somebody is withholding... I I told that brother, I said, as hard as it sounds, does a church need money to exist? Absolutely. And if big tithers hold money, then absolutely it will affect the bottom line. But as I will tell you, I told him... I told my congregation, God doesn't need your money. (laughs) He needs your heart. And if somebody cannot worship, if somebody cannot tithe, 
if somebody cannot give, if somebody can hear a message about Scripture and hear about the process of being holy and be unmoved to better themselves, the problem is not with an amount. They're not. The problem is not with what somebody else has done. Their problem is their heart. If you are not pursuing holiness, you have a heart problem between you and God. And I'm preaching to myself on that because you and I have something in common. A refusal to live a holy life as God designed it will always leave you unfulfilled and frustrated. If you decide to not live a holy life, you will never find anything that will fill the void that God created within you. We must not succumb to the failure in our attempts. I know some of you might say, well, preacher, when I was younger, I really tried to live a holy life, but I failed. Some of you might be right now, hey, preacher, I I hear you. Preach on, brother. But if you really knew what was going on in my life, you'll know how bad I have failed in the area of holiness. If you feel like you failed in your pursuit of holiness, let me just tell you two words. Two simple words that my coach used to tell me when I played football. It's really profound. You ready? You can write this down. If you feel like you failed in your pursuit of holiness, get up. Get up. Brush yourselves off and start pursuing it again. Put in a little sweat equity into your holiness. Don't let churches be, well, it's Sunday, let me go get my Bible out of my car and put it in my front seat so I don't forget it. Come into church, hear the preaching, feel, be moved by something, and then go off the rest of the week, and then come back and do it all over again. There's no power in that. Well, the first thing, when we think about sweat equity, I want to tell you that there is no such thing as instant godliness. Boy, I wish it was. Boy, I wish that our Christianity, when we accept Jesus Christ, man, it'd be like a microwave. In one minute, we have everything we ever need, and everything is perfect. If anybody told you walking a Christian life is about perfection, they lied to you. Because there are some of you in here that have been Christians longer than I've been alive. Are you perfect? <laughs> no. And I'm not either. I'm a pastor, but I'm not perfect. But let's look at what Paul says about Instant godliness. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27, he says, Don't you know that the runners in the stadium all run a race, but only one receives the prize? Let me just stop just for a second to to set the, the mood here. Is that Paul was from Rome, and Rome sports was their their entertainment. Sports was their rallying place. Doesn't sound like today, does it? Of course it does. Think of, think of a football stadium. Think of a high school stadium. Think of, of all of the places that, that parents are taking children to be in sports. Sports was something that was everywhere. And so Paul is telling them, when he uses this illustration, he's not just pulling this out of the sky. He was a sports fan. The Olympic Games, the, the, uh, unfortunately, when they would persecute Christians, they would do that in the Colosseum, in in big forms, in sporting events. But he talks about sports, and he says, Don't you know that the runners in the stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. 
Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. However, they do it to receive a crown that will fade away. But we, a crown that will never fade away. Anybody know who won Super Bowl 26? Off the top of your head? No. Who won the, the decathlon in the in the last marathon, in the last Olympics? Unfortunately, we know the most famous one, who is now Caitlyn Jenner. You don't remember those things, do you? Who won your fourth grade field day at school? You did, huh? You got the ribbon to prove it. I hear you. Nowadays, every kid gets a ribbon. We don't remember those things, do we? The things that, that we, the accolades that we win. It's just like how a World Series athlete or a, or a Super Bowl athlete that wins the biggest title in the world looks at it and says, there's more. There's got to be more. What do I do next? Folks, sometimes we're chasing the wrong things when it comes to holiness. He says in verse 27, Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself may not be disqualified. This does not sound like a preacher or a missionary that has it all together. This sounds like a preacher or a missionary that's got issues, that has sin that he's trying to deal with, that is not perfect, but he is pursuing holiness. The first thing we need to know from this passage is we need to quit chasing temporary crowns. We need to quit chasing temporary crowns. There's nothing wrong with sports. There's nothing wrong with with keeping kids involved in other events. There's nothing wrong with with having a church basketball league or or being an intramurals. I've got good friends that, that they spend a lot of time in sports. There's nothing inherently wrong with those. But folks, if you're going to be good at what you do, you have to train, don't you? If you are going to be more than just a pew sitter, you're going to have to get in the game. You're going to have to make strides. You're going to have to go into training. He says run in such a way. Athletes have computers that will record them actually training. And it will evaluate their gaits of how they walk. It will evaluate their body moves. Actually, you can go, for those of you that, that know anything about golf, I know nothing about it. I have a set of clubs in my office. That's as far as it goes. And I have a box of balls. So that I'm a golfer, right? But there are some, some folks you can go to, they'll take a camera and they'll video you, and then you go back and look at the computer screen and they show the stick figure, and it's got your swing. Maybe I need to do that for bowling. I mean, that would be awesome. Have them film me bowling and superimpose the elephant with a tutu on it, right? But, but they'll record you, and they'll say, look, your, your elbow's bent here, or, or if you were to twist your wrist this way, or if you were to, to move your leg that way, and they, they find fine-tuned ways of getting your performance and getting your your gait or your 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 stance better. When is the last time you gave God all access to you? And he says, you know, James, if you would just spend a little bit more time doing this with me, you would spend less time doing that, which is not helpful for you. If you spend a little bit more time praying for this person, it might help you put up with this person. If you, if you would just give this area over to me, I promise you, I'll do something great with it. 
That's what God does for you too, doesn't He? If you give Him access to your life, He'll give you things to work on. And there, how do we work on them? I mean, you know, of course, when I say, how do you become a better Christian? Everybody's going to say the church answers. Spend more time in the Word. Pray more. And go to church more. That's true. But those are actions. Those are things. Those are works. I know people that they call them, uh, you know, the Jews who reject Jesus. They spend hours reading their Bibles. People that are opposed to the gospel spend hours reading the Bible so they are opposed against it. So just reading the Bible is not answer. Is not the answer. Just praying is not the answer. More church attendance is not the answer. The answer is those things, but it's not the action, but the heart from which it is motivated. If we are going to pursue holiness, we must be dependent. Upon God's word. There have been times where I've been driving in places I did not know where I was at. And my phone lost connection, a data connection. And so Google Maps that I am following is now worthless. Or your GPS is broke. Or you're reading your map upside down. Folks, when we do not depend upon God's word, our connection for direction of where we are going, is broken. Don't just read His Word. Depend on His Word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. Also, we need to be dedicated to prayer. We need to be dedicated to prayer. Are we talking to the coach that has the training, the love, and the desire to make us holy. I don't know about you, but, but when I was in sports and when you were in sports too, you had a coach who hopefully has been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, and could give you some, some experience of how to get better. Some of the greatest athletes in the world are there because of a coach that got him there. Folks, we read the playbook. We depend on the playbook. And we depend upon the coach. The playbook is what we read. The coach is who we talk to through prayer. And then we need to have an expression of worship. That's when we play the game. By following the coach's instructions, we are encouraging others to support our pursuit in holiness. Here's a newsflash for you. Did you ever stop to think that your attendance today was not even for you to be blessed? but you to bless the person that's sitting beside you or behind you or in front of you? Did you know that maybe your attendance today is doing nothing else but blessing the pastor, blessing the worship leader, blessing the choir? Because I'll tell you, the choir, they will sing whether there's one people or a hundred out here, but it sure does help when there's people to sing to, doesn't it? You're, I hope that you get something out of this. But worship is not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. It is about that pursuit of holiness bringing us together to lift Him up and to lift others up with us. Amen? You are to be an encourager. And you are being one. So we need to be dedicated to the Word, dedicated to prayer, and express our worship. And that's not the only spiritual gifts. There's much more. Uh, I can think of uh, walking into a gym and seeing multiple machines 
that do the same thing. Donna has been telling me about all the machines that she's working on, and, and like every one of them will do like a different body part, but some of them they double up. There are so many disciplines that we can follow as a Christian. Also, our worst enemy is in the mirror. Paul uses the illustration of a shadow boxer. Shadow boxer is basically uh, the, the act of a boxer or a fighter boxing themselves in the mirror so they can work on their form, they can work on their stamina, they can develop the muscle memory so that their body will, will not have to think about the moves that they do. And by the way, my heart is broken because a legend has died this week, Muhammad Ali. And, you know, I'm, obviously, you know, there are folks that said that he was a Muslim, but either way, I'm praying for him, praying for his family, and that maybe his death would bring others to Christ. But shadow boxing, sometimes we are our, our worst enemy. And Paul is saying here that in my battle to pursue holiness, I am my strongest opponent. Would you agree sometimes when it comes to being holy, you are your worst enemy? That's our sinful nature, and Paul has told us a lot about that. But godliness is not instant, and it does not just happen. We can form good moral character, but it takes work. And then also our sweat equity must be poured into the study and the meditation and the reputation of God's word. The second thing we see is in Psalm 119, 103 through 105. To pursue holiness and, and to use our sweat equity, we must have a few parameters. And those are two things. Love God, hate sin. Psalm 119, verses 103 through 105. This is where... The rubber meets the road in our pursuit of holiness. It says, How sweet your word is to taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp for my feet and light on my path. Sin is sin because we love it. And sin will be detrimental to our walk with God because we don't hate it. It's awful hard to give up something you love, isn't it? It's awful hard to give up something you love. And the thing is, is that if we are out of control in one area of our lives, you know that means we're out of control in other areas of our life as well. We can't have it all together. If, if you're here today and you think, well, preacher, I've got it all together except this one thing, you're lying to yourself. If you've got that one thing has got control of you, you're out of control in all areas. We must pursue holiness in our body, in our minds, in our will. Then also, the third thing we see is don't be afraid to fail. Hang in here with me, folks. The pot roast is there, I know. You're thinking about it. And we're in the home stretch. Don't be afraid to fail. I wish someone would have preached this to me when I was younger. I wish that the church would embrace this because it does not mean that Oh, I tried and I failed, so I might as well not try anymore. That's not what Paul is saying here. That is not what scriptures are saying here, and that's not what the writer of Proverbs is saying here. Proverbs twenty four, sixteen, it says, Though a righteous man falls seven times, he will get up, but the wicked will stumble into ruin. I remember that movie Rudy, about Rudy Rudiger, the the short uh, football player that actually played for Notre Dame, and they showed in the movie 
It's a great movie. You can actually show it to your kids, too. And, and they show him in practice. He was basically a tackling dummy. When they throw him down, he'd get back up. They'd throw him down, he'd get back up. They'd throw him down, he'd get back up. The reason you're here today is because you got back up. And the reason you will be here tomorrow is because you got back up. If you are knocked on your backside this morning in the area of holiness and there is something in your life that is you're struggling with, get up and put forth the effort because God will reward that. Because here's the thing. Failure can actually be a good thing. Did you know that failure can actually fuel your faith? Did you know that the very reason you're here today could be because you failed in other areas? Some of the best things that can happen in our lives are our failures because they make us move forward. Thomas Edison said, Our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always try just one more time. If you have been sidelined in your spiritual pursuit, just try one more time. Get up. Pursue holiness. Because here's the thing about holiness. I'll make sure I say this right. Holiness is not perfection. Can you say that? Holiness is not perfection. Say it. Holiness is not perfection. But the pursuit of it. Holiness is the pursuit of holiness. Trying to become what God has called you to be. And if you failed, okay, tell Him and get up and try again. Five positive outcomes from our failures are this. Here are five positive outcomes from our failures. Number one, if you are failing in your pursuit of holiness, it at least shows if you failed at it, you're at least trying. If you fail, if you have felt, if you have fallen in a certain area of your life, and there is a sin that you're having a problem with, get back up, give it to God, and go again. Read God's Word. Meditate on God's Word. So when that thought or that action or that feeling comes in, you have the Word of God to fight that. But if you failed, it's proof that you are pursuing holiness. Number two, our failure identifies our weaknesses. I don't know about you, but if I'm walking down a pier and I see a board that is about to crack, I'm certainly not going to step on it. Right? If there are cracks in your spiritual walk, it doesn't mean that you ignore it. It means that you work on it, that you replace it. So when we fail, it shows us our weak areas. When we fail, it also drives us to His Word. The more we see the holiness of God through His Word, the more we, f- we see how short we fall of it. Also, failure drives you to prayer. There has been nothing else that has driven me to my knees more than failures. Spiritual failures. Career failures. Relationship failures. Failures failures upon failures. Failure drives our knees to the ground to where we see that there is nothing else 
but God that can help us. Have you ever been there? I've been to the bottom. It's dark. It's lonely. But praise God, it's solid. And he's right there. And he says, get up. Put a little sweat equity into your faith. Don't let it just happen. Also, our failures remind us that we cannot do it alone. Look, there are a lot of people that say you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And I would say technically, you're right. But think of the encouragement that not only you receive, but you can give. Because I guarantee you folks, if you're struggling in an area today, there is somebody sitting in your close vicinity that might be struggling, if not with the same thing, at least another thing. Because we all struggle. And it is our responsibility to walk in holiness. Because His promise is if we walk in holiness, and we pursue holiness, the victory is His. And then finally, the sweat equity of holiness, it does have a payoff. The sweat equity of holiness does have a payoff. And He tells us about this in Philippians chapter 4, 13. Again, I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. There are two phrases or words that I want you to pick out in this because it shows you the payoff of the sweat equity of putting effort into your spiritual walk. The first one is all. All. I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. So all and through Him are the key things that we see the payoff of our pursuit of holiness. All things. He says through Him. You know what John 15, 5 says about that? He talks about the vine and the branches and He says, apart from Me, you can do a little bit. Apart from Me, you can do whatever you can as far as your natural ability goes. No, He says, apart from Me, you can do nothing. And what does nothing mean? Nothing. Folks, if you could do anything today, I would say this. Admit to God that you are weak. Because when you admit your weakness, He gives you His strength. Don't give up in your pursuit today. Remember His love for you and your love for Him. If there is sin in your life, it is my prayer that you confess it. And you repent from it. That means to turn away from it. And then also, don't coast. Don't just, don't just get by in your Christian life. If God is dealing in your life today, this might be the only time. If you have sin in your life, confess it, repent, and go to Him. Get up and keep pursuing holiness. Let's pray. God, Thank you so much for this service. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here that needs prayer, maybe they want to come to you and and have a relationship with you, to be a Christian, to join this church, or they just need prayer for their pursuit. Lord, would you please, please, Lord, lead them to come forward. We'll pray with them today. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?